Welcome, my friends, to the Bob and Brad podcast. My name is Mike Keenitz. I'm a PT assistant, and today I'm coming up need by Bob Shub. This guy over here. Today we're interviewing Sierra Corbin, who is a speech language pathologist from Oregon. Is that how she said it? Oregon, right? We were saying it wrong. She right. corrected us. She also has a YouTube channel called Sierra Speech, where she offers free speech video programs. So if you want to work on your speech at all, you can go check it out there. So without further ado, here's Sierra. Welcome to the program, Sierra. Thank you. So nice to have you. Nice can to be you, here. Can we start with you telling us a little bit about your backstory? Yeah. So, um, well, I'm Sierra Corbin. I am a speech pathologist in Eugene, Oregon. And I started my journey when I was a psychology major at the universe at the um, at Oregon State. And for some reason, I wasn't really excited about the um, job prospects. So my mom recommended speech therapy to me because she was a primary school teacher and she knew I had a history of correcting people's uh, <laughs> language and oh, teaching them accents. <laughs> um, and so I said, okay, that sounds interesting. And I, I moved to Eugene, Oregon, um, went to the University of Oregon for their communication um, sciences and disorders program and immediately discovered that I loved it and that it's so much more than helping someone with just their speech, you know, really interesting. I was very interested in helping older adults regain what they've lost and being a part of that really rewarding process. So I, I graduated um, with my master's and then I started out in skilled nursing. And after about two, two and a half years, I opened up a private practice because I'm nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and in Eugene, Oregon, there wasn't a private practice dedicated just to adults. They're all really for pediatric. I had two clients who were willing to continue working with me at the practice. And I thought that was enough to start a private practice. Um, and it was a roller coaster ride. And I just sold it, but um, had the practice for five and a half years. And we specialize in acquired disorders, um, helping adults primarily with things like aphasia, a language disorder, dysarthria, speech disorder, swallowing problems, voice problems, and cognition. And so I've really kind of um, delved into that world. And especially the last four years or so, I got into voice disorders as a specialty. And that's because I knew I wanted to grow my clientele with my business. And I knew that non-binary and trans people had virtually no options, very little options in town yeah. for voice therapy. So I got trained in that. And then um, I went to our national convention and spoke to Parkinson Voice Project and saw that they had a grant for their Speak Out program. And then I got really involved in the Parkinson's community. Um, and my voice work kind of went on from there. Oh, great. So you mentioned you sold your business, but you still work there, correct? I do. Yeah, I sold the business, but now I'm just a, primarily a provider, which is where my heart is. I never really wanted to be a business owner. I just want to work with clients. Sure. So do you see clients online as well or just in person? I do see them online. And um, that started with the pandemic. So... April of 2020 is when I learned all about telepractice. 
And um, because of, you know, Medicare changing the rules temporarily, it's really opened that up for us. And we see the same amount of improvement, very similar outcomes sure. with tele versus in-person treatment. So you're in Oregon. Can you see people from out of state over telehealth or how does that work? Yeah, so um, I'm only licensed in Oregon. So I just am allowed to work with folks in Oregon, but I could license in other states if I wanted to. You have a partner, right? A partner? A partner, like? That helps you online too? Um, I think you are another person that would help you online. Like do teletherapy online as well? Right. Oh, I do have other providers. Right. Yep. So Eugene Speech Therapy hired employees and contractors, and they all do teletherapy as well. I see. And you're right. One of them is a voice expert, and she is licensed in other states. Would someone need a doctor's order to see you online? That's a really good question. Having an order is nice because then we can start out with your medical history, but it's often not required. So if you have a commercial insurance, it just depends on your insurance if you need the order or not. And with Medicare, all I technically need is for the doctor to sign my plan of care after I've seen you. So, sure. um, But I usually ask for a referral no matter what so I can have everybody involved and um, make sure that we're covering our bases and get their medical history. So with private pay, you can see anybody, right? Yeah, with private pay, you can technically do anything within your scope of practice and ethics. But still, it's be Oregon for you? Still Oregon. Yeah, so basically, the line is drawn with skilled service. So if I'm providing a skilled service that's within my scope of practice, um, treating a disorder, I have to keep it within where I'm licensed. If I'm just helping someone because they don't like their voice, I can totally do that. Sure. Makes sense. And that can be anywhere. Gotcha. So yeah. are we saying Oregon wrong? Because Bob and I are saying Oregon. No, it's Oregon. Right? <laughs> yours, you are saying it wrong. Yep. It's our... Uh, I knew a girl from Oregon. It's our uh, Minnesota accent. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> okay. My husband has a lot of family on the East Coast, and he always mimics them and says, so they got running water out there? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we're not They're quite that there. bad. <laughs> All right, so we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of the questions here. So our first question is, how can the average person approve their speaking voice? Yeah, so everybody is a little bit different. And I would say that if you, just to start, if you have chronic discomfort or a change in your voice that you don't like that affects your everyday life, to have it assessed by a professional ENT or speech language pathologist because you might have a voice disorder. But if you don't have a voice disorder, um, but you still need to use your voice, maybe for work, or you just don't like the way that it sounds, there are things that you can do to improve it. It's just like any other system in your body. You're a physical therapist, Bob, and you can improve. Even if someone doesn't have a disorder, you can strengthen up your body Right. Maybe have more endurance, flexibility, things like that. So it's the same for your voice. And basically, there are four mechanisms to 
creating voice and speech. And the first one is respiration. So we have to be able to support our voice with our breath. So the first step really is breathing. And all of these mechanisms, of course, are connected. They're not isolated. But um, essentially, we have to be able to breathe enough from the lungs up through the trachea and through the vocal cords in order for them to come together nicely. We don't want too much air or too little air to sound weak. And so working on your breath support is really key. One thing that I do often is I model saying one sound and only changing the breath support and noticing how much of a difference that makes. So it sounds like this. Really, it's like night and day. And the only thing I did was take my air away. Sure. So you can do a lot. Why is uh, too much air a problem? Because then it sounds forced or pressed or breathy. Yeah, and that over time can create a voice disorder. And if you're loud and have too much volume, you have hard attack of your vocal cords and that can cause irritation as well and swelling. So do you work on diaphragmatic breathing? Yes, I do. I love that you asked that because um, that's kind of the name of the game when it comes to breathing. And I'm sure you talk about it with your clients as well. Sure. Um, it's the most efficient organ for, for breathing. So, um, a lot of us don't really think about how we breathe and we've created bad habits. Maybe we're stressed or it's an anatomical thing. Um, and so if you're breathing up here and you're using your chest and your uh, shoulders, right. we want to relax that. And I call it pear shaped breathing where your diaphragm, your belly is coming out first and then your chest rises a little bit. So it's like the shape of a pear. And if you try that, a lot of folks, it takes them a while to get it because they've just breathed a different way. Uh, yeah, me, I was opposite. Bob was a mouth breather. Yep, absolutely. A little mouth breathing, that's no good either. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> so for speech, you don't need anything else unless you're gonna yell across the street or sing a song. You really just need little sips of air from your, your belly. You'd probably be a good singing coach, right? Yeah, <laughs> I have worked with singers before. Yeah. Um, there are people who are more experienced at it than me. Oh, sure. But yeah, I do help singers on occasion. Is there a way to improve someone's articulation as well? Yes. And we will get to that. So the next, the next mechanism is phonation, which is when your vocal cords come together. Um, you know, they sit right about here and there's two folds and they breathe, they open up. And when you voice, they come together. It's kind of like when you have a balloon and you squeeze the air out and it makes that horrible screeching sound, Right. two sides vibrating. So those need to be able to come together really well, not too pressed and not too weak to make a good sound vibration. And then next is resonance, where those sound waves resonate throughout the cavities in our head and neck. <clears throat> and um, that's a lot of the work that we do because that can take the pressure off of your, our, our throat and our vocal cords. Sure. 
which again is why you need breast support because you need to be able to fill the cavities with that air. Um, so folks can talk in their throat like this. Men tend to resonate from their chest. Women tend to resonate up here in front of their face. You can be hypernasal. There's all kinds of ways to resonate and you can change the shape of that tract depending on what you do with your muscles. Sierra, what's the proper way? Well, you want a good balance. You don't wanna just be nasal or just talk out of your mouth or your chest. So what I look for is a balance, but I do a lot of work with frontal resonance because that's what gets us a really nice sound, even for men who have a voice disorder or wanna improve their, their um, speech. I see. Yeah. What if, what if someone has a high-pitched voice like me? Yeah. <laughs> Really? How do I fix that? Yeah, so You're your... <laughs> diagnose me, work with me. <laughs> um, higher pitch can be partly anatomical. It can be partly behavioral. So some people have a very high pitch and it's called falsetto or puberphonia um, if they're men. And a lot of the times it's education, vocal hygiene, and also relaxation and learning how to talk with your larynx lowered because huh. it's, it's probably tensing and lifting up. Yeah, I, I noticed the more excited or louder I talk, the higher my pitch gets. And when I'm like calm and at home, mm -hmm. it's lower. Yeah. Sure. So, yeah, the voice is really connected to who we are, our past experiences, and our current state. It's really incredible. Um, you could have trauma from your past or stress in your life recently that greatly affect how you sound. And a good example of that is like if you're welling up with tears, you're going to cry. You feel that knot in your throat. Right. It's just directly connected to our internal state. Um, also, you know, a lot of my clients that come in with voice disorders have things like they grew up in a home that had a stressful communicative environment. Sure. They were told to shut up or they were supposed to be quiet as children. Or maybe on the East Coast, you have to fight for your place in a conversation. And so you end up kind of being quiet and tensing up and getting voice disorders and things like that. Oh, they said I didn't talk for a long time when I was a kid. Well, maybe you should get your voices back. <laughs> maybe that was it. I don't know. That doesn't bother me anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's it just if it bothers you, get it looked at. If it doesn't, you're no, fine. He, he bothers me. People just make <laughs> people just make fun of me. They can say my voice doesn't match my body type, but uh, it doesn't. Oh man, <laughs> I'm used to it. it. Sounds I fine. Well, good. See, Bob, <laughs> I hear everything. Okay. Um, be nice. So, so sorry, I want to finish that because you talked about articulation. Right. Sure. And that's the last um, skill or mechanism for communicating. And that is, you know, all the things in your mouth, your tongue, your lips, your cheeks come right. together to make the sound, the sounds of your language and they shape the sound wave. And yes, you can improve your articulation, which uh, we can talk about at some point, I think. Sure. sure. 
All right. Uh, we're going to get into Parkinson's a little bit. So how can someone improve their voice if they have Parkinson's? Yeah, so um, Parkinson's affects the voice, um, speech and swallowing. Up to 90% of people will eventually get um, disorders in these areas. And that's because, you know, there is a decrease in dopamine, which affects automatic motor movements. But it also affects kind of the whole brain. It's not just a dopamine thing. Sure. Um, brain, brain stem, um, the newer brain, and and you know things like insomnia, mood disorders, motivation. Those are all impacted. And so we have a lot of considerations. But when it comes to just the motor side of it, because there's that decrease in movement there's kind of a, a rigidity and a stiffening people don't move as much well that's the same with your vocal cords and your vocal mechanism and your lungs and your respiration so they start to get quiet and mumbly either talking more slowly or more rapidly um <clears throat> so that's kind of how it affects parkinson's and there are two primary um treatments for it one is lee silverman voice treatment that's the one that has the most research to back it up the loud boy right loud yep. yeah lsvt loud yep yeah. and that was developed just for parkinson's which is Shame. pretty incredible <clears throat> and speak out is newer than lsvt but it uses the same concepts so they're both basically using this concept of switching to a different motor tract because Parkinson's affects the automatic motor system. You then use a volitional motor system. Sure. You're overriding it and telling your body, I'm going to move. Um, and it does work. It's pretty incredible to see the changes with that. So they're both intensive programs um it seems four. like um they have trouble with, with air also with parkinson's yeah yes exactly so it also affects your respiratory systems yep sure. so all, all of your muscles are affected and that's why you can sound quiet and breathy and that's why folks will rush to get their speech out because they're running out of breath so parkinson's tends to progress yeah um, can you stay ahead of it that's a really speech? really good question and i want everyone with parkinson's or progressive disorder to hear this as your disease progresses you can improve and maintain your skills with these programs they have really good outcomes that's a big deal it's huge yeah. but the thing is you want to start early sure we see the most progress when folks come in, they just start noticing a difference because it takes a lot to integrate volition when you're used to just talking without even thinking about it. Sure. So it's it's kind of twofold. It's integrating the use of loudness or intent, depending on which program you're doing. And it's a strengthener. So you're actually doing the exercises daily. And when folks do that, when they go through the one-on-one -on -one program with you, and then they continue doing their maintenance, 
they can even improve after they've discharged from you because they're strengthening up their voice. So maintenance is also daily. Say that one more time. Maintenance is also daily. Yes. Yeah. And then there are maintenance groups too. So sure. the house that has the weekly loud crowd that you're expected to go to. And that helps a lot because um, then we get our patients in front of us. We can say, have you been doing your homework? Remind them how to do the exercises and things like that. Obviously, there's a progression. You're not going to just keep getting better and better and better. Um, sure. But you can maintain and prevent a lot of decline. So if you're a speech therapist, do you just learn this these programs in school or is this like a continuing ed course? That's a really good question. They are not taught in school. They're actually um, either a certification or a separate training that you have to pay for. Unless your university clinic like ours at the University of Oregon gets um, a grant from the Parkinson Voice Project. And we have a free training for our students, which is pretty cool. That is nice. Yeah. Why yeah. You, why don't you give me free programs? Bob? Right. <laughs> your high voice. <laughs> so uh, one thing about one thing about that is that with Parkinson's, there's often a cognitive side too, where the cognition changes and processing speed. And the thing that the reason these work so well is because it decreases the cognitive load and just focusing on one thing, being loud or using intent. And in doing so, you have slower speech, you have over-articulation, you take a bigger breath. Sure. You don't have to focus on each thing independently. You had wanted to know the difference between them, but it, it doesn't matter. I mean, we can go no, over that. Or, the or two yeah. The two yeah. You, would you mind saying the big major differences between the two programs? Sure. Um, they are very similar. They have very similar outcomes. So I think as far as which one you do, it just depends on your exposure. Maybe you had a mentor that, you know, was certified in one or the other. I am not LSVT certified. I worked on it in grad graduate school. So I have exposure to it. And a lot of my colleagues are certified, but I am a speak out provider. Speak out is less sessions. It's three times a week instead of four, which financially is nice for our patients. Sure. And it, you know, has similar outcomes. Speak Out includes cognitive tasks. So you're working on cognition with your voice output. While LSVT has functional phrases, so they actually use phrases dedicated to what you want to say. Um, and Speak Out has a loud crowd that's integrated. Every single person is expected to go to a loud crowd group. And the Parkinson Voice Project pushes and supports their clinicians a lot in trying to maintain these groups so people have somewhere to go afterwards. So I would say I love Speak Out. I'm a huge proponent of it, but they're both really amazing programs. Great. Okay. We're going to start awesome. talking about improving your voice after a stroke. Okay. So can you talk about the three common diagnoses after a stroke? Sure. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, improving your voice after a stroke, when there's been some sort of assault um, to your brain, that can affect your voice, just like it affects the rest of your body and muscle, because oh, yeah. there's a lot of different parts of our brain that have to do with voicing and speech. And one thing I wanted to share 
was a video stroboscopy because no matter what's happened with a change in your voice, you want to get an imaging study in order to figure out what to work on. And I so <clears throat> while I'm pulling that up, I can say that the most common voicing deficits are a change in pitch. So your range, usually the higher pitches and vocal quality. So you can be breathy, strained. Can you see my screen? Yep, I can see it. Yeah, okay. there we go. This is a typical um, voice. So not after a stroke. We're looking at the vocal cords and this is a video stroboscopy. So we're seeing them move in slow motion. Tiny resonating muscles called vocal cords. They're about the size of a dime in a woman and about the size of a nickel in a man. Your vocal cords vibrate very quickly, 120 to 240 times per second in conversation. The human eye can't track that. Okay. So when they popped open, they were breathing. And when they were vibrating slowly, that was them phonating. And you can see that they're symmetrical. They've got a nice wave. The structures around the vocal cords aren't coming in and taking over. Everything looks really good. So you would use an imaging study to figure out what the deficits are for voice. Um, so you could work on relaxation potentially. We have semi-occluded vocal tract exercises with things like straws, where you're creating literally by occluding the air it has nowhere to go. So you create a back pressure in your throat and that kind of releases the muscles. Working on respiration to get better support, things like that, depending on the need for the for the voice. So you yourself look at that test or get the results? So people's first stop, and, and this is if they're even diagnosed. So if you go in for an inpatient stay with a stroke, hopefully your doctor realizes there's a change in your voice and refers an SLP to you. And hopefully they recognize that you have a voice change. If you don't have an inpatient stay, hopefully your outpatient or home health person um, will recognize that you have a voice change. But as you can imagine, this isn't diagnosed enough, sure. um, especially post intubation. People might say, oh, you'll just have a hoarse voice for a little while. Um, so the first stop is usually an ENT, ear, nose and throat doctor, and they will take the same type of little camera and look at your vocal cords. Um, the thing to think about, though, and this is in the blog post that I wrote about, is that most ENTs are generalists and they don't do extra training for voice disorders. So if possible, try and find a laryngologist, someone who's a voice expert and has the strobe light. Most ENTs don't have a strobe light. So they're just seeing your vocal cords with the naked eye. Are they coming together? Do they have cancer? Sure. Things like that. So anywho, hopefully you get yourself to someone who has stroboscopy and that could be an SLP. I do not do it myself. I contract someone to do it for me. Um, and then if you're going to get therapy, same thing with speech pathologists, 
graduate as generalists. And so ask them if they have experience with voice disorders. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. And as to your question about um, different diagnoses post stroke. So there's voice, which we just talked about. Aphasia is a language disorder um, where depending on where the lesion was or lesions, you can have a change in receptive language, which is understanding what people are saying or writing or signing, expressing yeah. language, so using words. And there's um, a lot of different types of aphasia. They're basically fluent or non-fluent. Do you have a lot of speech coming out or a little bit of speech coming out? And that can affect, again, reading, writing, sign language, not just your oral communication. And then dysarthria, speech disorder, where the muscles themselves aren't able to execute what you need them to do. So you can have slurred speech, um, inaccurate placements, things like that, weakness. And um, apraxia, which is a motor uh, programming disorder where like coordination like coordination exactly yeah they it just the information gets jumbled so you can physically all your muscles are working just fine they're strong but you don't know what to do with your mouth sure which diagnosis can someone typically see the most progress in hmm. or does it vary Totally varies. I mean, you can be severe or mild in all of these areas. Uh, and you can have all of them or two of wow. them or only one of them. So that's why a speech pathology assessment is really key because we are the ones who pinpoint what the problem is. And, and that informs our therapy on what to do for it. Okay, go on to our last question of do you have any suggestions for Bob to work on his speech? Yeah, for those that don't know, I'm <laughs> obvious. <laughs> I've had trouble with my speech due to my cerebellum. One of the problems that I have is I do better when I speak slow, but when I'm with people, they're speaking fast. So, yeah. so I want to speak fast. Yes. Is it hard to get your turn in a conversation? Yeah, but I feel like he's good at interrupting. Okay. <laughs> no, I feel like I like when I'm on video, I want to be speaking fast because people yeah. don't want to wait around for a slow speaker. Yeah. I will say that when we have a speech disorder and we slow down it feels to us like it's very sluggish right the listener they can actually understand you better and they probably appreciate it sure so just keep that in mind yep and i feel like i'm running out of air yep yeah so learning to take more sips of breath sure in your so yeah so learning how long you can go before you need to take another sip of breath which is cognitive. You have to actually think about that and integrate it. It's a lot of work. It is. I got to think about everything. Yes. You know, relaxing, um, speaking slower, mm -hmm. trying to get air. Yep. So what Bob is experiencing is in coordination, the cerebellum has to do with fine tuning 
our, our motor movements. So when it's initiated in the brain, it goes to a lot of different places so that we don't have to think about what we do. And the cerebellum is the one that says, don't move your arm as much. Your lips are over here, move them over here, slow down. You know, um, they, they help with that. And so that's why with, a, with ataxia, you have this third speech, it's uncoordinated. There's distortions with not just consonants, but vowels too. And vowels are huge. When you get your vowels wrong, that's when people really struggle to understand you. Sure. A lot of information in vowels. Um, and you can eventually get mono pitch and mono loudness. So not a lot of variation there. So I would say, surprise, surprise. surprise. Can you help me? <laughs> yeah, there's different methodologies. Honestly, there's a positive research for motor speech disorders. Unfortunately, um, a lot of folks will work on symptom focused treatments. So let's work on your breath. Let's work on your prosody and see how high you can get with your pitch. Um, so which you is can't? No, you, you can't. You can do that. There's just not a lot of research that says this definitely works. It'll work with some people and maybe not others. But the best evidence is actually with LSVT. I've been doing some of that. I read that with the, your daughter. Yeah. The ahs and the mm -hmm. reading phrases. And yeah, that's great. The arrows gotten better with the, with the, the ahs. I started off, I go could go about six six seconds. Now I could go up to ten. Oh wow, yeah. that's great! How often do you do it? I try to do it daily. Cool. For how long? Um, probably twenty to a half hour. Oh wow! Is that that's too great. long? <laughs> that's good for you. <laughs> Um, well, you are a physical therapist, so you know how important it is to do your home exercise plan. Right. Um, what I like about LSVT and Speak Out is that you don't have to work on each individual part of your body. You just work on the one concept. I'm going to be loud. And that automatically you take a bigger breath. So you're working on your respiration. You automatically slow down, get loud, all of those things that you need to be able to do. And when you slow down, you usually are more intelligible. Sure. So let's practice, Bob. Okay. I'm, I'm willing. Tell me what you got. What do you want me to do? <laughs> I'm going to share my screen. Your daughter isn't certified in LSAT, right? So she doesn't have the book or anything. Well, she got certified. Oh, she did? Yes. But, oh, but she works in school normally. So okay. she has you know i'm her only patient you're her only <laughs> right <laughs> well we'll see if this is any different this is the speak out lesson book and we're gonna do just the warm-up for now it's may me my mo moo and what i want you to do is i want you to speak with intent and okay. be thoughtful about what you're doing pick a spot in front of you either into the next room or at the back of the room and pretend that you're speaking to that, and it's going to sound like this. May, me, my, mo, moo. Can you try? Sure. May. Sorry. 
May, me, my, mo, moo. Excellent job. Very good. How did that feel? No, I mean, unnatural. <laughs> did you Some say unnatural? Cow. Yeah. No, I said I'm unnatural. <laughs> I'm unnatural. Oh, you're unnatural. Uh, Excellent. I haven't done any of these yet. You haven't done these? No. Yeah, these are a little bit different than LSVT. Let's do counting. I've got to go back to nighttime. Figuring out this stuff on the spot. Okay. Now let me go back to you. So same thing. We're going to keep them connected and super strong all the way until the end. We'll do the top line. It sounds like this. Sure. One, two, three, four, five. Now you. One, two, three, four, five. Good. Now this time I want you to elongate it. One, two. Okay. One more time. One, two. Three, four, five. Great work. How'd it go? It felt better. You know. Now, say that with intent, Bob. It felt better. Okay, thank you. So remember, this is a strengthener, but we're then integrating intent into our conversation. Sure. I'm going to hear everything that you say and how you say it. You okay. Sure do. <laughs> Good. One more thing, we'll just do some some reading, um, just this side on the on the left. Sure. With intent. So this one has words highlighted or bolded, and that means those get extra intent. So gotcha. hi there. Hi there. Good. Hi word there. Uh-huh. How are you? How are you? How are you? Good. Keep all the words strong. How are you? Gotcha. What a beautiful day. Good. What a beautiful, what a beautiful day. Good intent. What a beautiful, oh, I'm sorry. What a beautiful day. Strong. What a beautiful day. Nice. My name is Robert Shrub. My name is Robert Shrub. Well done. My, my name is Robert Shrub. My name is Robert Shrub. Nice. How did that feel? That felt great. Good. I like that. Yeah. That's a good exercise. I'll say it with intent, Bob. It's a good exercise. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So that's that's the whole thing right there. And then you do cognitive exercises and conversation and things like that too. Sure. Um, but you did well. Yeah. And then through time, hopefully you would get stronger and stronger and articulations get a little bit easier. Sure. Mm -hmm. So, I um, I would say yeah. you're a little more clear talking now right. than you were yeah, earlier. Right. I was on, right? Because mm -hmm. it's. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you fixed me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I'll often see an improvement after one session with I believe it that because just the act of thinking about it helps a lot. And I use it too. I mean, I use intent when I know I need to be sure. understood better. So well, thank you, Sue. Yeah. yeah. You need to slow down when you're doing your videos, Bob. No, Brad <laughs> needs to slow down. <laughs> yeah, Brad's pretty wild too. He, yeah. he gets worked up. <laughs> Sounds like everyone can use intent. <laughs> That's right. So, all right. Is there anything else you want to add about speaking or speech you wanna, or tips uh, or tricks? Her, her YouTube channel. Yeah. Do you want? Do you want to mention your YouTube channel for yeah. us? Yeah. Yeah. So, I created a an online voice program for folks who just want to change the way that they sound, and it works on all of those things we talked about today, but in greater detail. And it has specific exercises. And it is backed up by the research and the evidence and, um, you know, the science that um, supports supports motor yeah. change. Sorry. That supports, again, I have an 18-month-old. I don't sleep very well. Yeah. <laughs> but Understood. So, so it uses dosage and specificity and all of those things. But it's really simple to understand and to do. And it's super fun. Um, I even brought on a friend who is a professional singer to do some of the modeling. And um, yeah, so it's on long, my YouTube channel. How long is it? I want to say the videos themselves are about two hours, but they're they're in little videos. So you can pick and choose which ones I you want to do. Well, yeah. I and gotcha. it's totally free um, to anybody who wants to improve their voice. There's a PayPal link if you want to support it. And your channel is called Sierra Speech on YouTube? Yep. We'll link that for everyone watching this episode sure. listening. Thank you. All right. Well, was there anything else we can do for you? It, I was so happy um, to get to do this. Thank you so much. I love your channel. Well, we love you. <laughs> Thank you. Oh.